Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman joining you on a Wednesday morning. We are glad to be with you here on National Signing Day, as it were. It's not the same, is it? It doesn't have the same panache, the same cachet that it used to have. It's kind of like the XFL after the NFL. That's a good analogy. Like, it's still football, but it's like not football. It doesn't feel the same. And so it's the same same deal here. Familiar names. Yeah. You know? It's just the the main event's passed. Well, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. MSU added a commitment, which, you know, sucks for us because we still have no Cruton song, but (laughs) it is what it is on that. (laughs) Uh, but we will start, uh, by first off, by thanking you guys for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all of our listeners, especially our servicemen and women who take care of us out there every day. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Uh, I feel like I, I might this might be a coffee night. I don't even drink coffee, but I, I, I'm tired. And i got to get up early tomorrow because it's signing day. Well, then it doesn't need to be a coffee night. It needs to be a coffee morning. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you drink yeah, coffee at night, you're then you're not going to sleep, and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, you're right. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Figure it out. See, I, I don't drink coffee. I don't know I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Step so, one. Uh-huh. Go to Strangeburg. <laughs> that, that's a given. And then we figure it out from there. I got a free one up there. I need to... I might take advantage of that. I think I've got a new one at the... Uh, I've got a free one at the new location, but oh. I have not been to the new location yet. Well, this is, that might be a, a reason to go check that out. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, also want to thank our sponsor at College Corner. Go to collegecornerstore.com where you can shop at either one of their two locations in the Capital City area in, in Ridgeland. They're over by Fleet Feet and Flowood. They're over by the Half Shell. And you can check out the huge selection, the biggest, the best selection of MSU merchandise. If you're headed up to Starkville this weekend or maybe next weekend for some baseball, don't waste. Don't worry about waiting in line here in Starkville. Don't worry about hitting up those shops when you can just go to College Corner, pick up what you need, and be in the stadium ready to roll. Mississippi State was not ready to roll. Another first-half deficit that Mississippi State could not come out of. Played Kentucky even in the second half. I did not realize. A lot of points in the second half. Both teams scored 49 points in the second half. But State, an eight-point deficit at the half, and that's where it ends up. 80-72 to is the final. I I can sum it up just like this. State just didn't shoot the ball well enough to win. They out-rebounded Kentucky by two. They... uh, they didn't, they didn't turn the ball over much. Only 10 turnovers on the night. Kentucky only had eight. Um, Jess did not shoot the ball well enough. 36%, 37% from the field, 31% from three. And uh, shot 10 less free throws than Kentucky made. You know, Part of Mississippi State's uh, scoring in this winning streak they were having was they were getting to the line and making them. And it was the tables were turned on them tonight. Uh, you look at Nick Richardson. or sorry, Nick Richards. 27 points, 13 of 15 shooting. And quickly for Kentucky was 14 of 14 from the line. I mean, those two guys combined are 28 of, I'm sorry, 27 of 29 off the line. Big night for them. Richards really had the better of his matchup with Reggie Perry. He had 27 and 11. Perry had 14 and 8, but it was a very quiet 14 and 8. Uh, Perry was 4 of 16 from the field. State gets into double digits with four different sto- sto- scorers. I'll say it eventually. <laughs> Stewart and Woodard lead the team with 15. Carter had 12. Adu had seven and eleven rebounds. Good night for him. Four blocks as well. Missed a cup. State missed. It's an eight-point game. I can find you four shots at the rim that State missed. That they, if they just made those shots in the first, I think in the first five possessions, Adu missed two. He had a dunk and a layup that he missed. I know Perry missed one. Witherspoon missed a layup late. Carter missed a layup late. 
just not a good shooting night for the Bulldogs. And it really just boiled down to that. Had they, you know, giving up 80 points is, is not what you want, obviously, but State played well enough to win this game had they just shot the ball better. Yeah. Um, kind of funny how that works. Isn't it? You know, mm. make shots, you win games. Um, ben Howland, I think, said it best the other day. State was going to have to play the entire 40 minutes to win the game at Rupp. Yeah. They just were. I mean, you, you dig yourself an early hole at Rupp, and odds are you're not going to climb out of it. You're just not, yeah. And for what seems like the, gosh, I don't know what it is now. It seems like every game now State's digging these these holes um, between, you know, 6 and 16 points. And you do that against Kentucky, and you're just, you're not going to win. No. Uh, unless they just have a terrible night, too, and they didn't. I they mean, didn't. they were getting they, – they, they were they good did enough. enough. Yeah, they were 44% um, from the field. Only one of ten from behind the arc. They only made one three-pointer in the entire game. Um, but they did enough. And, and Kentucky's one of those teams, to Their home court advantage is such that while their team is not elite, they are good enough that on their home floor they're elite. Yeah. And – you just you've got to play the perfect game, not not the perfect game, but you gotta you have to play all forty minutes. You can't do what State did and, and not shoot well and and dig yourself a hole. And I know late they kind of gave it a little gasp and Tyson Carter at three and got within six late, but it just never really felt like that. well any chance to win was lost. And it's sort of the opposite of what happened last week in the Florida game where Perry misses the front end of a one and one, but Woodard or it wasn't Perry, it may have been Stewart. But he misses the front of the one-on-one, but Woodard gets the offensive rebound and kicks the ball back out, yeah. and that gives State a reset. Sort of the opposite. Yep. Uh, Nick Richards misses – I'm sorry, who was the missed those free throws? It wasn't Richards. Was it Montgomery? Yeah, Montgomery misses two free throws, and Richards gets the offensive rebound. You know, if that happens, if you get that, State's down six with a chance to cut it to three, I think still two and a half to go in the game. You're still very much in the game, but instead Kentucky gets the ball back and they score, and then – State sort of played back. I thought it was going to be one of those. I thought it was going to be a tremendous bad beat there at the end. State was a seven point underdog, and they lose by eight. I I, I just saw like uh, Carter's going to launch a three at the end, just and just kill it, but it didn't happen that way. It, just just not good enough. Not good enough. And you know, I think we we, we you and I both agree that not going to take too much away from this. No, you know, I mean, State is still in the position, and I think the the latest bracketology had them as an eleven seed. They can easily work their way up. Just by winning the games, they're favored to win. They don't have they don't have an opportunity really now for another marquee win. They they can get a quadrant one win by winning at Arkansas, who I think will stay in the top seventy five. Obviously, even with their loss tonight, Um, I don't know if you watched any of that game. They were up eleven with like three minutes, like six minutes to go, and then they just stopped scoring. Yeah, Uh, and then Auburn for this you know goes into overtime. So that's two weeks in a row now Auburn's had to win on the road in overtime. They're they're pretty good. Um, that's still a, that that may be one of those situations though, where it's a loss that Arkansas may still move up in the net though. Could very well do that. Which yeah. for state's purposes, they need to yeah, they you, need Arkansas to keep moving up yeah, in the net. You want that? You want um, that? Because that could give you another quadrant one win if they get in, of course and stay in the top thirty. Yeah. But. So for state though, let me ask you this though: you look at the way states played in, in their losses this year. All of their losses are to teams that are probably well, except for Alabama. Alabama's not going to make the tournament, I don't think. They lost again tonight. They lost to Tennessee in a game at home. They lost to Tennessee at home in a game they had a big lead. Alabama's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Like, they, 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 they can be really good. If they aren't hitting threes, they aren't winning games. Yeah. Simple as that. 
Auburn is the opposite. Auburn cannot be hitting threes and still win games. I don't know how they do it. But you lose to Villanova. La Tech is in first place in Conference USA. New Mexico State is in first place in the WAC. Auburn's a tournament team. LSU's a tournament team. Oklahoma is sort of iffy, but that, that, they'll probably find their way in. And then you have uh, Kentucky. Is it concerning that I mean, who has state who has state beaten that you think okay that's a for sure tournament team? I guess Florida and Arkansas. Yeah, but Florida is they're not very impressive. The Ar- Arkansas is by far state's best win, and that was on a night where sort of the opposite of what we saw tonight. State got to the free throw line a ton, and Arkansas because they're a jump shooting team could not. Do, do you have concerns about this team when they play in the in the tournament against? It just seems against quality competition this year they haven't been great. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you just laid it out. Uh, they're not winning games against teams that are, you know, that would be considered more highly ranked or, or however you want to look at it. So, yeah, I mean, but that said, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but shoulda beat LSU. Mm-hmm. Shoulda beat Oklahoma. Two buzzer beaters are going against them right now. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think back in the non-con. It's been a long time I mean, ago. Cause they, 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 they played really, really badly against New Mexico State. They played really. They didn't play great against Louisiana Tech. The Villanova game, they played really well. And if they had had a fully engaged Nick yeah. Weatherspoon, they probably had a chance to win that game. That that's that's probably that might, might have been the best game State's played all year. Aside from, I think that they played really well in, in the second half of Florida, in the second half of of uh, Tennessee. But you go back to that Villanova game, there was a stretch where Villanova went on like a 12-0 run, and they got the lead, and that was like a five-minute stretch. Other than that, State completely outplayed them. I mean, I might say that that Mizzou game may have been their best total game of the year. Yeah, Just, but you're, I know it's you're Mizzou. playing a, a bunch of ham so, and eggers there. So. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. But, um, yeah, it's concerning, but it's not like I, I would think, you know, if State gets into the tournament, it's not like I'm sitting there thinking on, on the first weekend they have no chance. Right. You know, it's just – They've been right there, and for whatever reason, either in Robert Woodard's case against Oklahoma, the shot didn't fall. Um, LSU against State, the shot for LSU did fall. Um, you've kind of had—I don't want to say it's luck, because I mean there's obviously some skill and and defense and talent and everything else involved there. So you don't want to say luck, but then again, those, those things could have easily gone the other way, and then you and I aren't having this discussion. One little T ninety thing, so. Yeah. Uh, I know T90 is probably not a word, but it's one I just made up. It's but. Ackermanese. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of like aggravating or, or whatever for State that they can't get the job done, but I, I don't think that you look at it and, and it hinders your ability to foresee them winning like a tournament game on the opening weekend. Right. If they well, can get there. Yeah, and I mean, right now, you know, if they're an 11 seed, they're playing a 6 seed, so they're playing a pow- probably playing a Power 5 team. Sort of a similar resume to them. State's one of these teams when they play at their best, they're they're very very good. You know they can play with almost anybody in the country, but when they don't play at their best, they're very very beatable. Um, and especially tonight, you could see how easily Perry was frustrated with how things were going. Uh, Richards had the better of that matchup from from the start of the game, and Perry just couldn't get any shots off. It's it's also frustrating to watch State sometimes and watch them again. Watching this game tonight, especially. The the way Kentucky was able to continually get Richards open looks and put him in good positions, and State could not do the same for Reggie Perry until really late in the game. That's frustrating, you know. And you could Perry's body language was not good tonight. Uh, Nick Weatherspoon's wasn't great either. I, mean, I get the frustration, you know. You're losing and you're not playing well. 
I get that. But it felt like I don't know, gave gave up's not the right word. But it felt like they they got away from themselves. They let it get away from themselves a little too early in the game. They, they, mentally, the state just looked like they got out of it earlier than they should have. Maybe is that just am I just seeing that, or did you see some of that too? Well, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're down by basically ten for what seemed like the whole game. You know, it, it just when, when you sit there and no matter how much you fight, scratch, claw, get a little something going, it seems like every time you look at the scoreboard, you're down. Eight to ten to twelve points, and, and you, you just kind of feel like you're running on a treadmill, you know. And uh, so, so I could easily see how how that could be frustrating and things. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I ever at any point watched the game and questioned effort or anything like that. It, it was just a they didn't play well enough to beat Kentucky, and I, I hate to be Mister Captain Obvious over here, but that's just the bottom line. They just didn't, and. Guess what? A lot of teams go to Lexington, don't play well enough to beat Kentucky. It's happens. And for State, it's happened uh, 50 of their 55 trips that they've ever taken up yes, there. Indeed, uh, yeah. that, that's just how it it yeah. goes for State. And um, Again, it, I know it's got to be frustrating for those guys, but I don't think that big picture anything changed. In fact, big picture tonight, I mean, it would have been much better with a win, of course, but big picture, it actually probably helped your net and everything. Yeah. Just to play you know, I think we talked about that, so. that even in a loss, that the net's yeah. probably going to go up a couple of spots. Yeah, so I mean, they were we'll, 38, so they might be at 36 or something Yeah, like that. we'll see Wednesday morning um, how much it bumped up, but it's not going to be a painful loss. No, I don't think that's the Frustrating loss, maybe, but painful It's, it's frustrating because you felt like this was a team you could go up there and punch with. Yeah. And and it, it was basically Kentucky did to State tonight, or Tuesday night, I guess, uh, what State had done the previous five games in the SEC. They just bullied them a little bit. Yeah. You know, state's usually the team doing the bullying. I think was some, not the case here. I think a little something can be said for state, and, and I, I feel like I've been throwing a lot of sunshine pumping into every show here. But well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go right ahead here. That the fact that that they kept punching in the second half. Yeah, they never. Gave I mean, up. They, they didn't let it get away from them. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were right there. I mean, I, it was pretty obvious that Kentucky was probably going to win the game, but you could convince yourself there right. in the last five minutes. If you, that, if you, if you get the rebound fall right, you get a shot. If you get the rebound off the uh, the free throw. You're down six with two and a half to play. That's an incredibly manageable deficit. Yeah, you know, you hit one three pointer. Now it's a three point game, and that and at that point you've got them on their heels. You know, and you got the crowd going, "Oh no, we're going to lose another one here." But instead, you know, credit to Kentucky, they made the play that then they had to make yeah. and took care of it from there. So uh, State will look to get back on the winning track against Vanderbilt, who has uh, they haven't played tonight. Now that's one I'll say. You lose they, that. They better get on the winning track. You, you lose that game, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you're, you're not. You're probably that's going to be a black mark. That's going to be hard to erase from your, your resume. You know, we we went into that uh, Missouri game back when State was zero three in the conference, saying that's a must win, mm-hmm. and basically said State kind of need to win out in that homestand, which they did. This Vandy game is pretty much a must-win yeah. for your tournament hopes. I mean, you Again, lose that, think, it, it think, is just... I think every game the rest of the way, if State is the favorite in that game, it's a must-win. They can't afford a, law, a bad loss. They got to they beat Ole Miss twice. They got to beat Vandy. They got to beat Texas A&M. They got to beat South Carolina. And uh, who else do they have? They, they got to beat Alabama. That's five more wins. That gets you to 19. You have what? You're at Arkansas... Uh, that's, that's I'm sorry. That's six more wins. So you, you're at Arkansas, and then I'm missing. Uh, there's a couple games I'm missing. I missed. Yeah, that's twenty and whatever. Yeah, but if you, if if you win the games that you're going to be favored to win, you're going to go to the NCAA 
uh, tournament. It is literally that simple for me with this team. So, want to know about a little hypocrisy? We'll, we'll switch gears here. Uh, Joe Moorhead was fired on January 3rd, or at least I tweeted that he had been fired. January 3rd at 9.20. Pat Forty's article on let them out of their scholarships was up at 105. Uh, Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio was fired today about 145. Well, he wasn't fired, didn't he resign? Mark D'Antonio was fired today about 145. If he's going to get fired, why don't they wait till after, so he could get his little bonus or whatever? Yes, they, I don't know. They probably He probably was like, look, I know. Where, coaches know where bodies are buried, man. And if they're, if they're saying, if you're going to take me down, I'll take everybody down. I'll let you make your point, and I'll come But my back. point is this. There's no article from Pat Forty or anybody else. <laughs> Where, where's my article on letting those kids out of the – tomorrow is – today is signing day. Yeah. You got to let them all out, says Pat Forty. Yeah. I'm waiting on that article, Pat. I, I, I haven't – other than knowing he's no longer the, the head football coach of Michigan State, I don't really know the situation here. But did he not just, like, randomly step down here? He was like forced out here. They there's the rumors of some NCAA stuff coming down the pipe. Okay. So okay. Because apparently the only thing I read was two tweets. Mm-hmm. One, the fact that he was stepping out, and then I saw another one that said something to the effect of I, I can't remember who who tweeted it, but said that a Michigan State staffer had was like completely caught off guard by all this. Yes. Kind of deal. Yeah. The players and coaches both were were surprised. Yeah. But it just is what it is. Uh, but it is National Signing Day, uh, part two. The sequel, call it what you will. MSU is expecting to sign four players today, from what I can tell uh, from reading 24-7 and from, from everything else. Uh, all of those players, three of those players, I'm sorry, are currently committed to Mississippi State. One is K.J. Costello. Uh, one is uh, Kyle Cass, the defensive back from Mississippi Delta Community College. And then the third player that is committed is Jamari Stewart. We talked a little bit about him yesterday. The uh, three-star linebacker out of Port St. Lucie, Florida. He made his commitment public on Tuesday night. All that's left, the only hay left to put in the barn, as our friend, good friend and host Steve Robertson would say, is Rufus Harvey. And all indications are that he will make the choice to to flip from Arkansas State to Mississippi State. And that will be that for this signing class beyond what State does in the transfer portal in the months to come, which I assume that will happen. Uh, very going to be a very uneventful day, uh, I would imagine. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how long Mike Leach can talk about four players. Now, one of them is KJ Costello, so he's probably going to have quite a bit to say about him. But, um, so for state, I mean, you're talking about they're, they're going to end up signing what 26, 27 players. It's sort of interesting how this sort of fluctuated. When Moorhead was here, we were saying, okay, state will probably sign three or four more. And then there was some rumor mill work in, in the opening days of Leach that, well, they might sign like eight or nine more guys. <laughs> and somehow it's, it's gotten back to three or four. Now, I think that's. They've just lost out on some guys. They would take Dylan Spencer. They yeah. would take Khalil Benson. But it looks like both of those guys are going to go out of state. And that's just, you know, it, it reminds me of, there was a few years ago, when Ole Miss, the first year that they were under NCA stuff, they said they took some, they, they, they voluntarily reduced some, didn't hand out some scholarships, voluntarily. And all I could think was, they got left at the altar by like eight guys on signing day. And it was the year, they would have taken Simmons, they would have taken Rashawn Gary, they would have taken all these guys. <laughs> and they just didn't because they didn't get them. Yeah, but the, because they didn't get them, oh, well, yeah, we voluntarily reduced our scholarships this year. So, you know, play the semantics game, I guess. Um, Rufus Harvey, you cover Starville High School. You know all about it. You, do you expect that to be the decision tomorrow? It does seem that way. Okay. And uh, credit, too, to, to Paul Jones and company who keep up with the recruiting game a lot more than I do. But 
Uh, apparently, Arkansas State received a commitment from another wide receiver That's in the last day or two. Which follow follow kind, that along, yeah. Which, which kind of seems like they are replacing Rufus Harvey kind yeah. of deal. Um, the tea leaves point towards Rufus Harvey being a bulldog on Wednesday. Um, I'm going to be personally shocked if he's not. Because I think that was an offer. He was just sitting there waiting on, and he's got it now. And I'm going to be floored if he elects to go to Arkansas State instead of Mississippi State. When I think all along he's wanted to be right here. Yeah. So it's going to – yeah, it it would be a shock to me um, if Rufus Harvey isn't wearing maroon and white today. Yeah. And so – like I said, we still have to play a little bit of the waiting game because we got to find State is going to get a couple more grad transfers. If I had to guess, they're at least going to pursue them. I don't know that they'll get them. You know, sort of the yeah. thing we just talked about. They're going to pursue them. So when we look ahead, you know, we were talking, I think, yesterday about doing some positional breakdowns and trying to figure out the calendar for that. I don't know how confident we're going to be in that, especially at like wide receiver, maybe at defensive back. Yeah, you know, I saw Jerry and Jones tweeted on uh, Tuesday that the the hiring once the hirings were made official. We'll talk about that in just a second. That he he said, oh, they got my coach hired or something like that. He was talking about Jason Washington, who's coaching safeties. So it looks like that move is happening, which I'm surprised. I thought Jerry Jones would be a candidate to make the move to offense, but it, that's not going to be the case. This is going to be one of the most unique spring practices we've ever had to cover because there's there's just a lot of flux and there's a lot of trying to figure out where pieces are going to fit. And the guy who you think is going to be the trigger man isn't here. You know, this isn't, you know, last year at this time, State had missed on Kelly Bryant. I think Justin Fields was already off the market at this point, too. So you, you had Keaton, you had Garrett Schrader, you had Jalen Maiden, and he's like, okay, one of these guys is going to be the quarterback. And then Stevens pops up after spring practices, and, and you think, okay, well, that's going to happen. And so him not being there, it wasn't a story because he wasn't on the radar at that point. Yeah. But KJ Costello is in. He's, he's going to be the start, he's going to be the starting quarterback. But he won't participate in spring drills. Not, not, not that that's a big deal, I don't think. Because, I mean, we keep hearing how simple this offense is. Surely a Stanford man can, <laughs> can figure this offense out. Um, All right, Darren Rovell. Let's talk about that for a second. All right. First off, first off, kudos to everybody who in his mentions are like, it's almost like going from ESPN to the Action Network. <laughs> well played. That was great. That's good it's very on brand for Ravel to do two things. One, make a troll comment, and then two, play the victim when he gets called out for said troll comment. We just mentioned Steve Robertson. I don't I, if I had my computer, I might have given him two Randy Savages for what he he dropped on Ravel. I don't just, think I saw what Steve said wrote. He basically wrote. found two times where he just he wrote he he ran that that there was that famous one where he got duped by some kid who said during the NBA lockout my escort service business is down. <laughs> And he, like, talked to the kid. But he, that was his only source, was the kid. Yeah. And so he put all this into an article. Like, guy who runs an escort service says his business is down 40%. The guy was just joking with him. And then I, I don't know what the other one. But Steve got him really, really good. Mike Ritchie got him pretty good. Uh, I mean, first off, Costello's a grad transfer. He's going to be here for, at best, June through January 1st. That's it. You know, is he going to take some classes? I guess he'll have to, right? I guess it'll be like Joe Burrow was last year. It'll be online. You know, he's not going to be... I don't expect to see K.J. Costello going down the drill field into McCool Hall. You know, I don't expect to see that. 
do that. You know that. You know that piece of information. So why are you, why are you doing this? And then to play the victim is just weak. All right. If you're gonna troll, freaking troll. Get up there, put your balls out there, and let people know that you're trolling. All right. Don't give me that crap. I didn't say anything bad. To quote, it's always sunny. It's the implication. All right. The implication is that I know what you're trying to say, Ravel. Just just embrace it. Come right out. Yeah, you dumb rednecks. I'm talking about you. Get after it. Let's go. What a loser. Darren Ravel, I give him credit. He's built a brand and he's very successful. And I'm sure he makes a lot more money than you and I do. But he's a loser at the same time. You can make more money than someone else and still be a loser. He, he is a person that has less self-awareness than almost anybody alive. Like he is the, he is the guy who who constantly thinks people are laughing with him when they are laughing at him. So, that, that's all I'll say about. That. That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. I, I don't I'm not familiar with that phrase. Um the coaches made official took yeah. took an extra day than we we thought it was going to take. Um the the only thing interesting to me is where Tony Hughes is coaching Nickelbacks. I thought Jake Mangum might get that job. Yeah. Coaching the Nickelbacks. Uh, you know, but it didn't work out. Whenever that fourth paid assistant in college baseball, he's going to be the, the Nickelback's coach. Nickelback's coach, yeah. Uh, so that means in a 3 3 5, those are the. What, I still want to call them dog safeties, but those get their own position coach now. They, they're not just with the safety. So, and uh, as we sort of discussed, uh, Matt Brock is going to be coaching the outside linebackers on top of the special teams, which is interesting to me. Nothing that's interesting to me and we're going back to recruiting a little bit, is State has really put a focus on special teams in, in, in the preferred walk-on market. They've got, right now, two new kickers coming to campus that will be here for the spring. This is sort of one of those things. We're talking about the, the workout videos. and Our voices have been heard, Joel. <laughs> Leeching Company, Leeching Cohen, on the way to Starkville after he was hired, they just queued up old Thunder and Lightning. That's where. And listened to things that are true. And let me tell you, over right, and right over now, and those over. two guys can go to Strange Brew and get any coffee they want. They get coffee. They've closed. I'm, they, right now, State is going to go into spring with, assuming Brandon Ruiz, Ruiz is still coming, and I believe that he is. I haven't heard that he's I not. I haven't heard that he's not. So Brandon Ruiz, Jace Chrisman, Scott Goodman, Nolan McCord, and then I don't know the, the the last kid's name. Hayes Hammond, is that right? No, that's he's that's he, the long snapper. He's a long snapper. Oh. The guy today. He just committed. Yeah, he just yeah. committed today. I feel bad now. I, we were gonna, I thought we were going to get through the whole show without uh, having to stop and See look. See who can find it first. It's 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 a, it's a race, and the race is <laughs> on. And here comes pride in the back stretch. Aiden Martin. Aiden Martin. So they've got five kickers. Buddy, if one of those guys, if you can't get me one out of five that puts the ball into the end zone or through the back of the end zone consistently, I guess it just can't be done. Remember John Cohen used to talk about the force field at Diddy Noble? And like, balls just don't go out of here. Yeah. I guess there's one around Davis Way. You just can't kick it out of the end zone here. This is, this is another, this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think somebody mentioned this to me on Twitter, and I don't really know the answer, but like, apparently, Aiden Martin is. The Fab 50, whatever that is, he's their number two nationally ranked kicker in the mm-hmm. class of 2020. Don't be confused with the Fab 15, who are a Jeans <laughs> Page creation. Uh, 
a five star rating. But like twenty four seven, he's not a five star. There like are no five star kickers yeah. in twenty four seven. Like the highest ranked kicker in on the on the page would be like three maybe star. a low three, like an eighty two or yeah. something like that. So anyway, so but it's just weird. How if you're ranking in kickers, then yes, this kid is supposedly one of the top kickers in the country. So, Why is that? I need to talk to Paul about that because. Because I mean, if you were if you were the top of your craft and you were great, I know why are you going, not a five star. I know where you're going kicker. with that because they rank those guys based on NFL draftability. If you ever notice, they only have 32 five stars, and that's because they want to have the same number as our first NFL. round picks okay. in the NFL draft. They say a, a five star kid is a potential first round pick. No kicker is ever going to be a well. I take that back. It has happened in the past, but it is the rarest of birds to get a first round kicker. It's happened what twice? Russell. From the Saints, of course. He kicked and punted. I mean, great value. Yeah. For the first round. And then, of course, and honestly, Sebastian Janikowski is one of the greatest first-round picks of Ever. all time. Yeah. He kicked for 20 years. What other first-round pick are you getting that kind of production out of for that long a time? And he was one of the best kickers in the game. Great first-round pick. It worked out. Yep. But that said, you see where they're going with that. So, I don't guess I, I don't think I realize, and maybe that makes me a dummy, which, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't think I realized there was only 32 because of the whole NFL. Yeah, 32. That, that's why that's the way they do that. So yeah. there's an expansion in the it, NFL. They might they expand they, the five. They stars? might expand the five stars at that point. So you know, and with, for for me, like the but the difference. But I look at things in tiers, right? The top 10 guys, sure, they should all be surefire NFL guys. Like 20 through 50 are basically all the same, right? The lowest, the 50th best player in the country, and the 20th best player in the country. You're going to make me look it up. But I, I don't feel like there's a huge uh, yeah. difference in them. Let's look at 2016. All right. The, the 2016 player rankings uh, for that year. And let's see who was the 20th best player. Because these are guys who should either be, you know, true. they should either be in the NFL by now or they should be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, like the reg, you know, seniors. Yes, all about type to be players. Yeah. yeah. So let me, let me get this here nationally. All right. See how many busts we have in here, too. All right, the number 20 player in 2016 was McTelvin Agim, who plays at, uh, I think he's in the NFL now. Played at Arkansas, defensive tackle. Good player for them. He was the 20th play, best player. The 50th best player that year, Patrick Hudson at Texas, who is, I, I, I name I recognize. He's, a, he's an offensive lineman. Is he in the NFL? Let's find out. I think they both are. Patrick Hudson. You're just going to have to deal with it. We're looking stuff up. Now he had to retire. He got injured. Okay. But I remember that's why I knew that name. I, I knew that medically I had to retire. But was a good player for them. Who's fifty one? We'll just we'll do it that way. Fifty one is probably gonna be another another jabron. <laughs> another random guy. Yeah. Doesn't want to load here. Antoine Jackson Jr. from Auburn, the defensive tackle for them, who's a pretty good player. So yeah, I mean there's just not a huge deal. Fifty two fifty three was Nikhil Harry, first round pick of the Patriots last year. Not a huge difference between those guys and and the, and then the next tier down is sort of the same. Once you get once you start getting into like the low four stars, the guys who are like 93, 92, there is not a lick of difference in real life between them and an 88. So, that is, that's just how I see things. Like let's see here who's who's a, a midland four star here. The, the 100th, or let's see who's the the name that I recognize. Kendall Jones. It's a good player for Auburn or for Alabama, I'm sorry. He was ranked 96th. Dwayne Haskins was 91. Ben Cleveland, who's an All-American at Georgia, was 90. I mean, there's just not a huge difference in these guys. So, 
for me, you know, state's class is mainly guys in that 85 to 88 kind of range. With the right coaching and, and the right scheme, those guys can easily be just as productive as somebody who's currently a 92-93. But that said, what the difference between state and elite teams is there's no of those top 20 guys. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, you're just not getting those guys. And state is, what is it? What does that say? Clemson has more five stars committed right now than state has ever signed. And I don't mean in a season. I mean ever. Ever, ever. They 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 have more five stars in one class than states ever signed in the history of football since they've been doing recruiting rankings. So, see how that works. We will talk to Coach Leach today at two o'clock, uh, and then afterwards uh, with the assistant coaches for the first time. I won't be there for that, but Joel will be. So certainly follow along with him on Twitter. I'll be at the Leach press conference, but I won't be for the afterwards stuff. Uh, so follow Joel, and he'll tell he'll tell you what's what with all the new assistant coaches tomorrow's show is the rumblings. We'll bring that back. We'll, we'll recap signing day a little bit, but we will talk. We will take all of your questions about recruiting, about basketball, or about life. If you need, if you really need advice, well, if, and you're so desperate for it that you're coming to Joel and me, well, we'll help you out. Yeah. We're not afraid to do it. We have lots of experience. Don't know that it's good experience. Yeah. Don't know that it's experience that will actually help you. But speaking, we have experience. speaking of experience that you and I have, let's give a quick shout-out and congratulations to our good friend Brett Hudson, who has entered the world of fatherhood as of today. Yeah. His two daughters, Harpa and Harper and Emma. I tried to combine them into one name there. <laughs> Harper and Emma are uh, doing well, as is uh, Mother Morgan, as far as I know. Everything's good there. I, I asked if Harper Hudson was, if the middle initial was an H, and it's not. He didn't tell me what it was, but it's not. And I was just like, you, you were, you we were, were begging so, for the triple H. We were so close <laughs> to playing the game, but it, it didn't work out. So, Brett. Congratulations. I hope you got enough sleep in, in your life up to now because you're done with that. Absolutely. You, you are. have two that aren't that far apart, but at least there's some far apart. These are these are one day old apiece. Yeah, I have two that are, you know, two years apart. Yeah, and, mine bo- are three. and both and both of them have pretty much always been pretty good sleepers yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Just just I feel bad for Brett, because you know they did the whole thing. The second night's the worst night, right? And I, I what I firmly believe, and I don't know this because I don't I don't I don't know how to talk to babies. But I've always believed that that's because that's the night where it dawns on them, I'm not going back in. <laughs> like, the first night, they're just so thrown off by what yeah. just happened. Yeah. Like, all right, it'll be okay. It's going to be all right. And then, like... I, I'm only dreaming. Yeah. I'm only yeah, dreaming. Yeah. And, like, 31 hours in, they go, they're not putting me back in there. <laughs> this is my life now. And they, they just they can't handle it. So, tomorrow night, with double the pleasure, double the fun on that, good luck, buddy. Better you than me. That's all I'm going to say. Congrats, Brett. Talk to you guys on uh, Thursday for Joel T. Coleman. This one's for you, Brett. Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.